Welcome to Leadership Conversations with Josh Reich and Casey Sees. We have the conversations leaders want to have so they can win at leadership. Now, on to our show. Welcome back to another episode of Leadership Conversations. This is Casey Sees along with my co-host, Josh Reich. Josh, how are you doing today, man? I'm good. How are you, Casey? It's great to be back with you. Yeah, yeah, it's been great. It was a good uh, holiday break. We we pre-recorded several uh, episodes so that we can make it through the new year, and we're here in the new year kicking it off going. And so we're starting a new series today, and it may be two to three parts, but we want to talk about self-leading leaders. So the, the leaders learning to lead themselves. What we see oftentimes um, in, in our circles are leaders who um, may do well at leading other people, but at times aren't really doing a good job of leading areas of their life lives. And so we want to, we want to take an approach of discussing a holistic leader. And so for this episode, we're going to talk with Josh a little bit about his story and some um, pivotal moments in leadership up to this point. So Josh, if you don't mind, take a few moments and share with us, first of all, your journey to faith in Jesus. Yeah. So, I mean, I grew up going to church uh, my whole life, grew up in a Christian home, but I didn't become a Christian until my freshman year of college. And really it's centered around just seeing people going through the motions as as least is how it felt when I was in you know middle school and high school. Um, it seemed like where I grew up in Pennsylvania, church was something that uh, that you did because of how you voted or because of the suburbs that you lived in. And so you went to this church and it um, kind of gave you a certain stature in the community that we were in. And, um, and so it just felt really fake for me. So I um, it wasn't until my freshman year of college when I went off um, to school in Pittsburgh, um, got involved with a college ministry there and part of a discipleship group. And then just through those relationships, um, God really just opened my heart to the gospel and really just started to see my life change and, and transformation happen. Awesome. So you finished college and then what was next? Yeah, so I, I finished college and um, got married four months after college. And so we were super young and had no idea what we were doing and broke as all get out. And uh, from there went right into seminary and both, both my wife and I uh, went on staff at a church in Baltimore and okay. school in, in, uh, in Philadelphia and uh, driving up there uh, once or twice a week and uh, just, you know, living the dream as poor grad students. <laughs> <laughs> Always some sort of dream. That's yeah, it's a good one. Sort of yeah. Some sort of dream, man. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy now. I mean, to to think back, we lived in a um, in a converted uh, two car garage was wow. the apartment that we lived in in Baltimore because that's what we could afford, and uh, it you literally could touch the walls in our living room uh, <laughs> in the middle and had a big enough wingspan. So <laughs> wow, sounds heavenly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so that, that's kind of uh, how our journey began um, in ministry um, and, and kind of how that took off then. So, so you went on a journey also of uh, some pretty profound weight loss. So, so give me some uh, understanding. I know you did an internship at a well-known church. Talk a little bit about that journey of, of your internship. Talk to me about how you put on the weight and talk to me about how you took control of that situation and uh, made some changes. Yeah, for me, my weight loss journey really began when I was 11 um, in kind of a, maybe in a way that people might not expect. Uh, all my life, I played soccer. I was, um, I played all the way through college, was really in good shape, and then um, started to put weight on 
um, towards my senior year of college, right around when I was 20, 21. Um, but what began when I was 11 was um, went to a sleepover, and um, I was in sixth grade, and the dad of um, the my friend that we were at his house for for a birthday sleepover came down at you know, towards the beginning of the evening and, and dropped a box on the ground. And inside was just a box of porn and just said, you know, it's just time for you guys to learn about this. So here, here you go. And so he goes back up the stairs from the basement and just leaves us there. And Wait, so, so this guy, let's <clears throat> slow down a little bit. This, this other yeah. kid's father decided it was time for you to learn about this Yeah, at 11. Yeah. Like thought that this was like basically his birthday gift to his son and his son's friends. Jeez. All right. And so um, I, I, up until this point, I mean, at 11, like I had no idea this existed. Like I had no, I mean, we didn't have the internet. I mean, when you think back now, I mean, when I was 11, I, I mean, basically I'm trying to do the math really fast. Like that's 27 years ago for me from today. And um, I had no idea that that existed. But I mean, at 11, I mean, it just becomes this, you know, it, you, you're sitting there, all your your friends are sitting there. And so that really began for me just a decade long struggle, uh, um, you know, which is, which in our culture now is incredibly common um, as far as even just that age of 11 um, for boys when it comes to porn um, and then just that struggle. And so what would happen is, you know, I became a Christian uh, my freshman year, I still struggled with it, um, was going to Bible college, was still having to struggle with it. You know, I was being accountability groups and everybody would try to be helpful and everything. But what happened then around 2020, um, is I changed kind of, um, I, I, Tim Chester, I think talks about the, the vending machine of sins where we kind of go up and put our money in and we just, we pull a lever and we choose which sin we're going to have. Yeah. Well, for me, I changed from porn to food and, was able to go, you know, to my accountability group and everyone's like, yeah, we're celebrating. You've conquered this, you know? And, um, and then in about a year's time put on about a hundred pounds, um, went, uh, up to my heaviest. I was at 300 pounds, um, had a 42 inch waist, wore a two XL shirt. Um, and how tall are you, Josh? I'm five ten. So I'm not this like enormously tall. Right. So you're not like six, four (laughs) packing on 300 pounds. (laughs) No, it did not look normal. And, um, and, or or even like stocky, it didn't look stocky, you know? Right. And, uh, but the amazing thing was, is looking back now, I mean, food and gluttony is kind of the accepted sin in, in church circles. And, and, and as well, having now lost weight, it's incredibly awkward to talk with people. So I get, I get why it's hard to talk about, uh, about food or weight. Um, there's so many things that go into it. There's so many things that go, whether it's family genetics or desire or addiction, um, or just difficulty in losing weight, you know, through, uh, thyroid or, or whatever. And so, uh, it's incredibly awkward to talk about and you can be skinny and actually have a food addiction, right. um, just yeah. by having a high metabolism, you yep. know? And so, so even now, like I understand the awkwardness, but, um, it's amazing to me looking back and I don't know, I don't know how I would have handled it. I don't know what I would do. Um, I mean, I've had friends put on weight quickly, you know, that I've talked to about it. Um, but it was amazing to me. I was, I was on staff at a church. No one said anything. Um, no friends said anything. No one was like, man, like, you know, in the last year, like you've packed on like a lot of weight, like, is everything okay? Like no one said anything. And 
Um, and, and so we had we had gotten married then, and uh, people always look at our wedding pictures. They're they're blown away because Katie, when we got married, uh, was about was almost two hundred pounds lighter than I was on our wedding day. Um, and I mean, if you've hung out with me, I mean, I have a killer personality, so it's why it it happened. That that's way. why I tell but, that's why I tell people about me as well. That, yeah. that Stephanie's my apologetic for the gospel. <laughs> so. So yeah, so and you know, throughout uh the beginning of our marriage then, it was I mean, food was just a struggle. Um food was it was always just kind of there. Um and I would try different eating plans, like I would try different diets and things like that. I would make, you know, proclamations. This is the year I'm going to lose weight. Like this is the year I'm going to, you know, start exercising regularly and and things like that, but it just never really took shape. Uh, until, um, until I was 27. And so, I mean, so, I mean, you can imagine now, I mean, when you're 27, I mean, I had been carrying around 300 pounds for about six, seven years at this point. Um, I would wake up, my knees would hurt, my mm. back would hurt. Um, I would start sweating at friends' houses in really awkward times. And it'd be, it's hor- it'd be horrible. You know, I'd get winded going upstairs and it started when we had our daughter, and, um, I had a hard time getting life insurance because of my weight. Oh, wow. Um, and there was a lot of concern around my weight and blood work. Um, and I just thought, you know, what? like I, I'm not, I'm not dying <laughs> from this. Like this is ridiculous. And so, um, at that point I kind of tried a different take with it. Um, and started to try to dig into kind of the reasons behind, that addiction. I I finally decided, okay, like this is an addiction. Like I am looking to food to do something. I am, um, there's a time, I mean, we always talk about this with people when, when they come, you know, for help from a pastor, regardless of what their addiction is. I mean, it could be, could be relational. It could be uh, financial. It could be shopping, you know, and we always just talk about like, well, why do you do that? When are you most likely to do that? When, you know, what, what things will happen during the day to, to make you, you know, uh, sin in this way? Like, can you look back and see any patterns? And, and so at that moment I was able to start figuring out, okay, these are, these are the things that cause me to look to food for help caused me to look to food, uh, for completeness, for relaxation. I mean, we even call it comfort food. So like we're, we're pointing out, um, this is what's going to be going on during my day. And this is why I'm going to look to food in this way. And so that was a, when I was 27, that year was an incredibly pivotal year. Um, now did you let anybody know that you're going to start doing that? Did you say it was like your small group or your wife or like, did anybody walk with you? Or is it kind of a private thing at first? How, How did that work out? Well, so I talked with Katie about it. I mean, Katie's always been just, she's just one of those people who always ate really healthy. Um, in fact, I still remember, uh, she always loves to tell this story because, um, especially as you talk about just being young and having no idea what to do in your marriage. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're, you know, we're young. It's our first year of marriage and I was frustrated at my weight and she, you know, was in great shape. And, and I just said, you know, well, if you, if you cooked more healthy food, Mm, you know, yeah, I, I would probably Love it. lose weight. And that's, she looked at me. That's so and she, hot in marriage, man. You know, like I, you know that, <laughs> you're, that that's going to take you places, buddy. <laughs> she looked at me and she goes, uh, "We eat the same food. You yep. just eat more." Yep. Dang. <laughs> I like her even more now. <laughs> and I, 
Yeah, I had nothing on that one. Yeah. Um, and so we talked about it. And then I t- told some, you know, I told some different people um, in our, uh, just in our small group and that kind of stuff. And people. Were you, were you and, church planning yet at this time? Or are you still at another church or what so stage we were, of the process was? We were getting ready um, to start our church. We had moved to Tucson. Um, and so. So you were um, planning on planting in a very unhealthy physical state of, of life. Yeah. Yep. Wow. And which amazingly, you know, I, I mean, I've written a lot about my weight loss. I get at least once or twice a month, a phone call or an email from a pastor who's overweight. Yeah. Like it is, it is one of the biggest struggles. Uh, my, I, I have no data on this, but my guess is for, for pastors, like I would put it in the top three of their struggles for pastors and church planters and entrepreneurs is their weight. Because no, I mean, that's, these- that's absolutely true. I mean, for me, man, like the, the best shape I've ever been in my entire life was the period of time that I took a break from student ministry to launch my nonprofit, go to college and work in my dad's law firm. That was the, the best shape I, I was ever in because okay. I had time and, and, and capacity to make that a priority. Yeah. And then, you know, get back and, and I'm not blaming ministry, but it's there, you know, like you said, it's the acceptable sin. Like someone yeah. might say like, man, you're, you're getting kind of thick, but, but you know, for well, me, I'll say was, it jokingly, right, be like, yeah. oh man, you know, like you're looking really strong, beefy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> big boned. You look big boned. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, you know, but you're, but you're around, you're in all these meetings, you yep. sit all day and you eat at those um, meetings or you drink at those yeah. meetings and yeah. Yeah. And and so I was really in an unhealthy space um, as we were starting our church. Mm. And it was funny because I, I remember uh, there's someone still at our church. And I actually told this story yesterday in my sermon. And when I started this weight loss, you know, I shared it with a few people. And after I lost all my weight, she came up to me and she said, you know, she said, I was, I'm really frustrated because when you told me that you were going to lose weight, she said, I just shook my head and thought, we'll see. And she goes, and now that you did it, like, I'm kind of frustrated by it. Um, and, and so just because at, for her and just looking at, in just her own journey and, and struggle that she had with it. And so it was kind of an interesting dynamic with that. So, yeah, no, I mean, so, so, okay. You make this decision. What do you do? What's your first step? Someone listening to this podcast is like, man, how did he do that? What would you say? I mean, tell us, tell us your journey and then maybe some yeah. applications others can take away from it. Yeah. So, I mean, one, so here's a, here's a few things in no particular order. Um, I mean, I think the first thing though is really identifying what is the idol behind food. Yeah. Um, there, there is an idol behind food when you, um, even, even if you are, have a high metabolism, um, many of us have an unknown, idol with food that we just, that we don't face. Um, you know, and you know, are you more likely, I, I remember sitting there, we would watch the biggest loser, Katie and I, and we would eat homemade cookie dough that she made. And I would just get so frustrated at the people on this TV. And I'm like, you have all these people helping you lose weight. How come you can't do it? You know, like, nom, nom, and, nom. Yeah. Like the cookie monster, you know, you'll <laughs> yeah. have the screen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, but to understand the role that food plays in your life, I mean, it's the same way that people go, you know what, I'm going to go shopping at the end of a really long day. Like, I'm going to go treat myself with this. And it's not necessarily bad, but it's really understanding, like, this is what food does in my life. Um, And and this is what I look to. So I'd say to start there, to really try to understand the heart issues with food. 
Um, for me, it all centered around control and whether or not I felt in control of my life or my day. Um, and I also found that I was more likely to eat when I was bored. Um, and, and so I think a lot of times, one of the things that, that I'm really starting to see in my own life and other people's lives is we do a lot of sinning when we're bored. I mean, the Bible talks a lot about idle hands. And so like, you know, when are you, um, you know, most likely to eat too much or, or things like that. So I think that's one of the things, what I started to do was I had no idea how to eat. Like, I just didn't even know. I didn't know what a, what a portion size was. Um, I, I had no idea about calories. I mean, now everyone, I'm really into the CrossFit world and now everyone in CrossFit talks about macros and, and at some point your head just starts to spin with all the information that's out there and all the things that are available um, and so when we first started, I went to buy a bike because it hurt to run. So, I mean, I was at a point where I just couldn't run. Um, it hurt too much to do that. And so we bought a bike, um, we had uh, young kids. And so we bought a bike trailer and I would literally take them out for two hour bike rides and just ride, you know, I'd listen to podcasts and worship music. Um, and that really, as we were planting became a really, um, just kind of restorative practice. Um, I'm super vain, so I don't necessarily suggest this, but I'm super vain. So I bought a bike spandex that were two sizes too small so that when people would pull up next to me at, at a red light, uh, they would, you know, see the really fat guy in spandex and wonder why he didn't buy the right size. But it was also kind of a goal that I had set for myself. And, and so, you know, I think the big thing too with, with eating is I started to understand um, like what portion sizes were. You know, and when I first started, like I, I started counting calories. Um, and when I was at my heaviest, I was eating, you know, 6,000 calories a day. Um, wow. and you know, which I mean, you can do when you're Michael Phelps, like, yeah. and you're, you're training you're... all day, but like when you're sitting all day, you'll end up being 300 pounds. So, like, I mean, I've people... heard some calories typing dude, but 6,000, <laughs> that, that seems, that seems aggressive. Like, sure. So people, I, people ask me a lot now, they're like, well, were you surprised that you were overweight? And I was like, well, no, not, not with my lifestyle. Like right. I, not at all with my lifestyle. And, and so, you know, so here's the thing then that, that really started to come out and I'll give a couple of kind of really practical things that, that people can do, especially as they eat out or at meetings and things like that. Um, because up until this point, like, so since then I've been diagnosed with celiac and so um, everyone's always bummed when they find out that I didn't find that out until after I lost weight. And right, because so, that would have been you know, super good for the uh, propaganda machine. Yeah, you know, and uh, and to make and a friend of mine told me he was like, it'd make me feel better if I knew like you had to cut out bread, right? Um, and lost weight. <laughs> so you lost so, right, you lost weight before you knew about the celiacs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and so I mean I started to count calories. I started to weigh meat to know a portion size. Um, you know I started to get really religious about it. Just you know of I'm going to learn all that I can about food and how it affects me and things like that. Yeah. Um, just because I didn't know, no one had taught me how to do that. Uh, no one had taught me um, the the importance of portion size or things like that. And so. Um, you know, and when you, when you get down to that, one of the things that came out of it, and I think this is really important with self-leadership is I had to become very disciplined in that area of my life. You know, when you, when you're going to, when you're going to do a bike ride, or you're going to go to the gym, you have to schedule it. Like you have to put it into your schedule for it to happen. Um, you just don't find, you know, an hour to go to the gym. You don't just, uh, you know, 
two hours isn't magically given to you to go take a bike ride. Um, right. You have to yeah. schedule it in the same way that if you're going to eat healthy, you have to plan for it. Um, you have to. So now when I was losing weight, I would never go to a restaurant without knowing what I was going to eat. I always knew before I got there what I was going to eat. And Tom Rath from uh, the Gallup uh, company, he wrote a book called Eat, Move, Sleep. And he talks about how whenever you're out with a group of friends, always be the first person to order food. Because he said the first person to order food sets the tone for the rest of the table. And so he he talks about how if you get there and everyone's, you know, and you can imagine you have like six or eight friends there and the guy comes up and is like, hey, does anyone want any appetizers or drinks? If you go, no, here's what I want to eat, no one else will order an appetizer. Oh, that's interesting. They'll all go, well, you know what, I guess we're not doing appetizers. But if somebody says, yeah, let me get, you know, the chicken wings or the nachos. Well, now everyone like throws in for appetizers and, and now you're stuck with an appetizer and you're waiting longer to get your food. And so he just talks about how be the first person to order. Um, and you know, you'll set the tone for the table. Like if you think back to every dinner that you've ever done with somebody, that's how it literally plays out that way. You know, if someone goes, Nope, we're not doing appetizers. No one orders an appetizer. (laughs) Right. And so, you know, so some things like that. And what I started to see then in my own life, just with self-leadership, is that discipline started to show up in other areas. And so what it showed me was up until losing weight, I was very undisciplined in a lot of places in my life, um, in a lot of places that I walked into. And so, you know, when you start to see, you know, if, you, if you're undisciplined in, you know, the area of food or your spiritual life, you're probably undisciplined somewhere else. You know, same with finances. And so for, for really that area of self-leadership, it's beginning to understand, you know, how, how does discipline or undiscipline um, bleed into other areas and not ju- it doesn't just stay in one spot. So what, what, what was the, I mean, so what was the timeline? How long did it take for you to lose all that weight? So it took me 18 months to lose 130 pounds. Was it like a, did you have like a big blitz up front, like a big, you know, weight loss the first you know, like the diets suggest like weigh, lose 50 pounds in six weeks. Anything yeah. Like that? I mean, when you, when you start for us though, it was really gradual. It was changing. This sounds so stupid to say now, but it was changing like from using really unhealthy potato bread. That stuff's so bad for you. And then yeah. moving to white bread and then like, so it was small incremental changes. It wasn't like we didn't jump in and go, okay, like there's gonna be no bread and no soda and like I'm eating kale, you know, three meals a day. I think sometimes people, um, you know, they, they jump in and they're like, man, I'm going to do whole 30. Like I've never done anything. And whole 30 will be great for you. Like it will, it will kickstart your system in a way that you are, that will be healthy for you and you'll eat really clean for a month. But it's also, I think we just, we take way too big of a step. Yeah. Cause um, what happens on day 31? Yeah, you go, you just crash and go right back, right. you know? And so we just made very small changes. We just said, okay, like this week we're cutting out soda. And I, I mean, I haven't had soda now in 12 years. Wow. Um, and, you know, and we just said, okay, now we're going to, and I think here's what was important too, is Katie let me drive, like she was very encouraging the whole time. She let me drive the process. Because yeah. one of the questions that Katie will get a lot of times is, you know, a, a wife will pull her aside and she'll go, hey, how can I make my husband lose weight like your right. husband? Right. And Katie's like, well, you can't. Yeah. Because Good no matter, what you, no matter right. what you cook at home, he's going to still be out somewhere else. 
Like he's still going to be able to go get an 800 calorie drink at Starbucks just because he feels like it. Right. You won't be able to stop him. And so she was very encouraging about it. But at the same time, she was also allowing me to drive the process of what was getting cut out and the goals that we were setting. Um, and, and I think that's really important because I think too many times, especially around health or weight loss, one person says, okay, I want to lose weight. And then the other person goes, okay, here's all the things we're going to do. Um, and then they start to take control of the situation. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so it was really just gradual because here's one of the things that we had gone to a doctor right around this time. And I just told him, I said, you know, I want to lose weight. And he looked at me and he said, that's a terrible goal. Don't make losing weight your goal. And I was like, man, I'm 300 pounds. Like what, what should my goal be then? I feel like that would be great. Right. And he looked at me and he said, make being healthy your goal. He said, whatever you do, he said, whatever change you make, make the change that you could do for the rest of your life. And he said, and make that your goal. He said, always look at, will taking this step help me to be healthier than I am today? Yeah. And that was, that was a incredibly helpful grid because you could lose weight and be incredibly unhealthy. Right. That's um, right. You, yep. you know, you can like, I, I have a relative who has lost, you know, 50, 60 pounds, probably 10 times yep. and, and always puts more back on than, than they lost. And, and mm -hmm. I mean, they have just fluctuated and they would say, well, I've lost weight, but they're, but they're not healthy. They're not making long-term changes. And so you know, that's where, um, I mean, we stole this phrasing from North Point, but one of the values for our church is, am I making decisions today that will help me thrive tomorrow? Yeah. And, and so for us, like, that's an incredibly important question for our family, for our church, um, for, for me personally. I mean, we're constantly asking on our calendar what we're eating, you know, how we're sleeping, um, friendships, all of those things. You know, am I making choices today that'll help me thrive tomorrow? And, and so, you know, I think, Looking back, you know, and now as, as I walk with a lot of people who are trying to lose weight, you know, the frustration that people will have because it doesn't go as fast as they would like, um, I would say it really takes probably three months to know if something's working. Yeah. Um, it, it really does. Just because part of, part of changing how you eat is also your body getting rid of the junk that's in it. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and, you know, because it, it um, you know, and I think for me, like my relationship to food has changed, you know, of like I, I love food. I, I still do. Um, I have a green egg. So I, I'm kind of I, I love grilling and smoking meat and just that whole process. But of starting to see, um, you know, not only in the enjoyment of food, because um, there's a book that I read this past year and the author just talked about how as a culture, we don't we don't feast very well. Right. We gorge really well, yep. but we don't feast really well. And so, mm. you know, so to understand that dynamic, but then also to see food as fuel for your, for your life and leadership. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, man, any final words you have for uh, those listening? If someone uh, listening to this is like, man, I, I, uh, man, I need some encouragement this way. Do you have any resources or uh, maybe any, uh, you know, I know you have some articles you've posted on your website. Uh, yeah. to give us information about that. How can people connect with you about that? Yeah. I mean, you can go to joshuareich.org. Um, I also wrote a lot about this in my book, Breathing Room. Um, and I would, I would say to just start some, to just start somewhere, Yeah, you know, to just Do start, something. Yeah. um, you know, I think, you know, something's always better than nothing. 
you know, in, in this area. And, and, and maybe if you're at a place where I was, you know, all those years ago to talk to a doctor, to talk to somebody who's going to be helpful in that area. Uh, I mean, there's so many different doctors now um, who are into nutrition and understanding that. And I mean, there's so many different ways to go um, and, and to not feel overwhelmed with all the different eating plans, you know, the, the paleo eating for your blood type, all these, I mean, don't feel overwhelmed by that. Pick one, do it. You know, I mean, that's the thing. I, I think too many times, like I said, people will just do, you know, they'll do this thing and after three weeks, they don't really like it or they didn't see the changes they wanted to. And so they switch and, right. you know, to just stick with it. Um, it is a long journey, but you have to remember too, um, it, as, as people will look and say, man, you know, I can't believe you lost that in 18 months. But at the same time, I mean, I was 300 pounds for seven years. Yeah. Um, you know, y- you are undoing a lot of unhealthy habits that you have had ingrained for a long time. Um, So remember that Um, you are undoing a lot of years of work, a lot of years of how you look at food all the way back to, um, to when you were growing up. No, that's, that's a great point, man. Well, Josh, appreciate you sharing a little bit uh, of your story with us today and also giving some feedback on how we might take uh, next steps. Next episode, I'll be sharing a little bit from my journey along the way as a pastor who uh, went through some trauma at my own hands and my late teen years, and also as someone that struggled with anxiety and depression, as well as learning disabilities along the way. So we appreciate you all tuning in to Leadership Conversations, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of Leadership Conversations with Josh Reich and Casey Cease. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, head on over to iTunes or Google Play to subscribe to our podcast. Also, head on over to our website at www.leaderconvos.com.